0: Hello and welcome to a long-awaited episode of You May Not Like This But. This episode is entitled Reverse Salvation. It covers the whole episode, actually, but it is in particular um, something that I've put together because I wanted to make it a respectable and respectful um introduction um presentation of all that i hold most uh precious and to convince and, and, and at least address not convince perhaps um, the the 21st century mindset uh, also um i'll be looking at some questions about the subject that is raised in what we're going to have now, um, namely, why reverse salvation? Um, Why is Jesus the centre? Don't other religions count? Um, Doesn't sin mean we have no connection with God? And those are just a few of the questions uh, that can be raised. And you are, of course, welcome to raise as many questions as you like. As I say, all I ask is play nice, and we'll all get along. We'll all and I'll and I'll function more easily and more and explain hopefully more clearly to you. If there's anything you want me to explain, if you want to pose questions. Please remember the email address for this podcast and blog is luther fifteen thirty four at mail dot com that's luther fifteen thirty four at mail dot com um, and without further ado oh and also i want to I want to look at a poss- the possibility of some uh, some future. Let you know about some future episodes that I have planned. Um, I'm going to restart the whole uh, from episode one on the New Testament judgments. I don't believe I really did justice to the ones that I've done so far. Thank you for the compliments that that I received but I still believe that I have primary business with this series, and also um, a a, a series called Conflict and the Classic Christian Beliefs, um, based on a, a passage of scripture in the second chapter of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, that is. And by the way, the fact that uh, well, I'll tell you a little more about re- reverse salvation at the end. Um, so, as I say, without further ado, um, I'll end this introduction now, and I'll, I'll, uh, I, I will get on with the episode. Reverse salvation. John, chapter 10, verses 1 to 15. John, chapter 10, verses 1 to 15. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and sheep follow him for they know his voice and a stranger a stranger they will not follow but will flee from him for they know not the voice of strangers this parable spake jesus unto them but they understood not the things that were spoken to them then said jesus unto them again i love his patience with people god please grant me such gentleness and patience with people he said jesus said unto them again verily verily i say unto you i am the door of the sheep All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out, and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and destroy. I am come, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep i am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine And as the Father hath known me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now then, reverse salvation. In this passage, through all means, Jesus makes himself known. The farewell discourses, John chapters 14 to 16 inclusive, take this even further. Though Jesus is going away, he will not only be with them, but his presence will take place in a way hitherto unknown anywhere else thus jesus making himself known is a dynamic enacted on those firstly and primarily who believe and and also on those who do not believe albeit in a secondary but still all-prevailing way. Thus, believing is knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus who has made himself already known, making believing a way of knowing, and knowing in this sense and context being defined as a way of Being saved. From the narrative of Holy Scripture, being saved is salvation itself. Now, all this is the much-beloved Christian rhetoric and narrative. But, but, how does it speak to the 21st century mindset? <clears throat> pearly Gates and Lakes of Fire. These are descriptions of a condition said to be unaffected by time. Afterlife is an erroneous word that ultimately means quite literally nothing because life. Whether in this mortal realm or in or that immortal realm, is all there is. Literally, no afterlife. Life is all now. References to these are one, Pearly Gates, the Book of Revelation, chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-one, the Lake of Fire, Revelation chapter twenty verse 15 as these texts are written in the genre and rhetoric of the apocalyptic they cannot be taken literally but are a but are and remain timeless and classic definitions of both salvation and judgment a gate. A gate is an exit or entrance to a property. Pearl is an enzyme emitted by an oyster to relieve discomfort or pain. Thus, a pearly gate is an experience entered into through pain. The gate is salvation, and the pearl is repentance. Faith, or non-faith, is a personal decision. The pearly gate is thusly entered into by faith in and during the course of this present life, that is, here and now. The lake of fire is quite similar. Just as salvation is entered into by faith, in the same way damnation is entered into by the rejection of faith. And as salvation is entered into during the course of this life, so is damnation. Hellfire is thusly a life of hard thoughts about God, principally against God, namely about the idea of God, the idea of anything that God demands of us, the the whole subject of God and religion. The summation of both of these lies in the sombre fact that they are both, both, entered into by faith either a single personal decision or a series of personal decisions, and both, again, are entered into sight unseen. The irreversible opposite. While life goes on, and as we live day to day, our salvation or damnation exists in a reverse state. This is lived out by faith, again, by faith, vis a vis trust without seeing. Normal life is lived in its entirety in this way. The single deciding factor, if you like, is the face of God, in seeing the face of God. The two conditions are clarified on seeing the face of God. The permanent joy of faith rewarded versus the equally permanent pain of the rejection of faith punished as if he al- and as and as he has already made himself known, Jesus is himself the epicenter of all this. Let me repeat that. As he has already made himself known, Jesus is himself the epicenter of all this. This is then no longer a matter of sight unseen, but one of constant, inescapable seeing. There is no turning away one way or the other. The one is a state of permanent joy, the other the equally permanent state of misery. They are manifested throughout the course of our lives, by the nature of our personal decisions. Conclusion Our personal DNA goes on forever. And after our death, our DNA is fixed. So there we have it hard thoughts or soft thoughts. You decide, and what you decide, you believe. End part one. We'll have, I'm going to look now at some questions that I've received about this subject. Why reverse salvation they are the one two three why reverse salvation why is Jesus the epicenter don't other religions count doesn't sin mean that we have no that's right the three why four why doesn't sin mean we have no connection with God no let's I, I i'm not going to pretend or attempt really because to give a full definitive answer to these because you could do a, a further episode on each of these why re, but look at this why listen to this why reverse salvation what i'm trying to convey by that is the idea of living by faith, and that living by faith is all-pervasive. It is quite the normal activity for every single person who is alive or, you know, every single person. We live by faith. We make decisions constantly. Some we're not all that they are micro decisions, some are macro decisions. Um and these this is what the essence, the, the reality, the non-religious behind the the religious uh rhetoric, living by faith is is just that, is just making decisions and, and, and acting doing what you want to do, and thinking what you want to think, and saying what you want to say, and the way you think it, the way you say it, the way you do it, etc., etc. That's all, all of it, from start to finish, the whole summary, the whole course of our lives is basically living by faith. And when I talk about reverse salvation, it's like that. It's the, It's just that. It's salvation in reverse. It's not inverted because inverted means to turn it all upside down. And that's the, the definition of, of reverse damnation, if you like. Um, when you turn it all upside down, you don't want to know that you're still living by faith. You're still living by faith. But this is what it is. It's not called living by faith, but it is. That's exactly what it is. It's the secular faith, if you like. It's the deciding. It's the deciding factor in all the things we do, we think, say, and do. I'll leave it at that. Um, I, I'm sure that there will be questions about that. Anyway, we'll move on. Why is Jesus... The epicenter of this. Well, now the, the, there's some things that I want to dispel here, and the 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 idea that that Jesus becomes something. Um, the idea among some scholars, and they call themselves scholars, that how did Jesus become the Son of God? He he didn't become the Son of God. He was the he, that's the title he has in the Godhead. Throughout the whole, that's the way the Bible uh, um, defines it. He was, n- there was never a point in time, in the realm of time or eternity, when Jesus was not the second person of the Godhead. And by the way, being second person doesn't mean he was in second place. There wasn't an hierarchy. There's no hierarchy. The Trinity is a round table. Anyway, Jesus is did not become the Son of God. He's is what he always was. And when he came into this world, he was no less that Second Person of the Trinity as he was before he came into this world. Anyway, the reason I said that is because the quest with the question being, why is Jesus the epicenter of all this? Well. It's like this: He made himself, <laughs> he made himself, the epicenter of all this, by coming into the world, and dying on the cross, and it's what he came to do. Now, why is that important? It is important because we, as sinful people, he came to save us. Right? He came to save us, and as how how does his death? And this is what people don't get. How is his death on the cross salvation for those who believe? Well, it's like this. As sinful people, as we're born this way and we live this way, we think, say, do this way, all these things, and we don't do naturally living by faith in that sense. We don't do it. We we do do it now. But there's a reason for that let, just let me let me answer this question. Uh, the, the he came into this world. he was the only man, and he was a proper man who became who, who came into this world, and sin was not on him. He was not a sinner, okay and that means that the sin is punishable by death. And death, being defined in the rhetoric of holy scripture as being set apart, separated from the life of God, we're not entirely. That's in eternity. That's after we die. That's after our mortal life ceases. We we are cut off from that. And I hope I I, I brought the reality of that uh, into your into your attention, but you see it's like this that is what is naturally the outcome of living in a state called sin. Jesus was't n- and was born in us without any sin at all, and as such, being born and with no sin on him at all. He did not deserve death. Could not had no right to have any anything to do with him. And he did not deserve to die. And but because he did, because he gave himself to that, he made himself the uh, the epicenter of this by being the one person who died, who did not deserve it. And it's like this, if I can put it like this, where one innocent man hangs, the gallows must fall. And there's no need for anyone to die the, the death of a sinner anymore. When we believe in Jesus, and because he died on the cross like that, when he didn't deserve it, he made himself the epicenter of, of salvation. But you've got to make that decision to believe. It's not, and must not, and will not be automatic. Automatic. It's a lot more than I'm saying now, believe me. (laughs) Believe me. But that's the essence of it. And again, I'm sure that there will be some messages about that. But again, let's move on to the next question. Don't other religions count? My view on this subject is not the same as a far more conciliatory view to so-called other religions i it, it's not the question that is my opinion it's an it's an empirical fact that the world religions to say it properly and respectfully the world religions teach many good things and teach and they all do they don't just teach a few good things. They teach good things. They're very wise and, they're, and very practical. Let me give you some the one benefit that I love, and I love this. The benefit we have of numbers. That is, we don't use letters as numbers anymore. We use numbers as numbers. And we have the Muslim community to thank for that. I did mention during the course of um, of the of the delivery of the message uh, about uh, reverse salvation that about things being written in the rhetoric of and the genre of the apocalyptic and cannot be taken uh, literally. Well, the Islamic community. Really have a total antipathy to that idea if it if it if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck okay its it's not anything else you can't dress it up as a chicken or an eagle or a seagull it's a duck, okay a duck's a duck, a seagull's a seagull that, that's the way they think, and as such, they came up with the concept we have of numbers as we have them today. As you would write down the a num, any set of numbers, you have the Muslim community to thank for that. I don't doubt that at all. But this is talking, this subject, reverse salvation, is talking about an entirely different thing. It's not a denial of the, the truths of other, of, of other pe- people. It's not denying that at all. It's but it 's bringing you to something far more sublime and far more transcendent than all of that i and I'll, oh trust me, a lot can be said, and i 'm thinking of doing something about this and and doing something with this subject it 's a very intriguing subject indeed um, but again i 'm not so to so do religion do quote, and i don 't like the 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 expression, actually, other religions. I mean, that's terrible. You know, we talk about the world religions. Let's talk respectfully. Um, there is a lovely website um, called Interfaith. I think it's dot .org. I can I remember re- um, visiting it recently. It's not about um, all religions coming together and all, you know, we're all just different paths up the same mountain. No, we're, we're, we're our own path up our own mountain, okay? We're a collection of uniquenesses. The, the Muslim faith is unique. The uh, Buddhist faith is unique. The Hindu faith is unique. The, the Judaistic faith is unique. The Christian faith is unique. It's a collection and all the other faiths—they are unique. They are—they are all a collection of uniquenesses, but this is a higher uniquenesses, a higher uniqueness, <laughs> a higher uniqueness than them all. Now, interfaith org—if you just Google interfaith, one word, <clears throat> excuse me—you will find it, and what you'll see is a lot of people of very different ideas and no faith and non-faith all being friends with each other it's not all all different paths up the same mountain it's it's different people of very different persuasions being nice with each other in a place where you can be nice with each other, not quarrelling with each other, not trying to convince uh, others to uh, go convert others to our beliefs. It's just you see, it's history is littered with religious wars. We know this; there's no denying it. But interfaith means that we are at least talking and are friends. With people of beliefs very different to ours, and when you know someone, and know people, and you can name them, and you've laughed together, you've uh, and cried together, and you, and so on, uh, and you've spent time together, it's very hard to make war with them, isn't it? Well, that's the whole idea. So yes, in that sense. Other religions to use that expression do count I hope that's I'm sure it's gonna uh, provoke some questions um, if you want to please do ask but again I ask please play nice i I think a lot clearer um, with, with in that in, in that setting um, and lastly oh yes doesn't sin mean? That we have no connection with God? Well, the answer to that is very simple. Sin means that we are, we do not have a connection with God. Um, we can, and we, in fact, we cannot. We cannot have a, a, a conscious connection with God. But God still, that doesn't mean God does not love us. Are you kidding? What after all I just said? You you really are kidding. Well, anyway, sin means that we can. Uh, um, in the, the I, I love the Methodist um, definition of sin in the Methodist Catechism. It says this that sin is that which perverts our nature and induces us to prefer our own will to God's will. And I like that. Just think on that a minute. Think sin is that which perverts our nature and makes us prefer our own will to God's will. Just stop and think about that. Yes, it is. But you see, and and, and as such, we cannot make that, I said, that we make a decision. And we we cannot make that decision of ourselves. We can't. It's impossible. And we don't want to. Okay? We just don't want to. I'll be blunt about it. We don't want to. Nobody wants to. But does that mean that God stopped loving us? Absolutely not. Impossible. He, he couldn't do it. He He just couldn't do it. So what did he do? Well, first of all, we are not entirely without connection to God. N- and I'll give you a proof of that. You're alive. You are alive, and that means that the next breath that you take, the next beat that your heart makes, the next second that you live, is a gift of God. And that goes for every single person on the face of this earth. Nobody is not connected to God. And this God loves us. And because of that, because He loves us, you I told you what He said, what He's done, he's, and Jesus was exactly happy with coming to do it. He came he came to give it to give himself to break that deal that death had with sin and make it make it available to everyone now if no one can make that decision what does god do well i'll tell you what he does it says in in the gospels that the veil or the or the partition in the temple in Jerusalem was torn down the middle. And that means that everyone, no matter who they are, can have access to God. The old order was done away with in that moment that Jesus closed his eyes on the cross when he said what is translated in our English Bibles as, it is finished, really speaking, it was one word, accomplished. That's what he said, accomplished, and, and it was loudly. Scripture reports that it was loudly, and he died on that, and then he gave up the spirit, his spirit. And the moment he did that, the partition in the temple was broken open. Simple as that. And now, you don't have to be an Old Testament priest, or a New Testament priest for that matter, to be able to have access to God. Elsewhere in Scripture, it says that God has dealt to every man, that's every person, the uh, man is there is used there generically, of the human race um, as dealt to every man the measure of faith. So when you say, if you can say, and people, if you say that you, and people do, you know, I don't have your faith. Yes, you do. Jesus, when he died on the cross, broke open that, veil in the temple that partition in the temple and it was made of it made made available it was made open to you that's the first thing and the second thing is he made, he gave you he died to give you the measure of faith what you got to do is to put that faith to work by deciding to believe on him That's what living by faith really means. It doesn't mean hostile thoughts against God. Oh, I don't want, why are you bothering me, God? I don't want to know. Can't you see that I don't want to know? Doesn't it get through to you? Are you sick or what? No, 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 no. Things like that, thoughts like that are wrong, are really bad. And they're not good for you. They're not good for your your mental health and all your physical health. Now, again, we could go on about this and take it a lot further, but I hope I've explained the initial part of it, at least. And if you have any questions, please, 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 please email me on luther1534 at mail.com. I suppose that ends... Part Two part Three I'm just going to say so just mention some of the projects I've got planned. Um, I will say that it's been a long a long ordeal for me i didn't know whether I should continue with this, and if I did continue with it, how would i what would I do? Where would I go with it? Where is it going? um with the uh the podcast and the blog and the book by the way, if you look on amazon uh kindle you 'll be able to buy it um I forget how much it is now um, you may not like this, but i've i've given a pen name um uh something farmer i Ed Edmund Farmer and I hope you like it it's done as presentably as possible I I would I could never do my own publishing at all but I've, I've made an attempt with this and but not only that I think you can order it free on Kindle so if you go to Amazon and look type in the words you may not like this but um you you'll find it. Um, future episodes, I want to do the New Testament judgments again, from the start, from the start, from episode number one, through to number eight, and it is um, a, a, the subject of conflict, the conflicts that Jesus had um, throughout Mark chapter two and a little beyond and how those conflicts brought out all the essential truths of our Christian faith. Um, by the way, and a word, a final word, a final word about uh, reverse salvation. I've got to say this. Um, I do not intend for it to be a series. This is a special one that I wanted to put out there and I've struggled with it for a long time, months and months. And I hope that it's been of use to you. I'm going to blog it and uh, hopefully you can download that uh, as you have with the other blogs as well. And remember the blog site is, you may not like this but, one word, dot blogspot dot com. And uh, I hope and I pray that this episode, has, which has been a long time coming, and I'm sorry it's taken so long, um, has been of interest to you, and I pray that it will be immortally profitable to you. God bless you, and thank you for listening. Until the next time, bye for now.